But I'm going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. And as we were praying, as the prayer team was praying before the service, I felt impressed to do this. I want us today together to welcome the Holy Spirit to this place. And I want to tell you, I was inspired, actually a friend of mine, a pastor that pastors a Presbyterian church on the west side of Cleveland, for years they kept the Holy Spirit out. Now this is an amazing thing, because sometimes people talk about the Holy Spirit as though he's a commodity, or the force, like in Star Wars, let the force be with you, you know. He's not an impersonal force, he is a person. And you look at the aspects of personhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, and we, we can't just lock out part of God, and yet many people in many churches do that because we're afraid. And there are some people, if you look at some of the stuff on TV, and I, haven't, I don't watch that much of uh, religious programming. I'll say religious because some of it's Christian, some of it's not, whatever. But I look at what some people do on television, and I go, man, if, if that's what the Holy Spirit is like, I don't know if I want to go to a church that believes in the Holy Spirit. So th things have happened. The other thing is sometimes uh, people in the name of the Holy Spirit have done things that uh, keep people away. My mother, before she passed away, told me when she was 14 years old, she went forward for prayer and this guy came up to pray for her. Now, she's telling me this story at age 85. And she was so traumatized, this guy went to pray for her and broke her nose. He, he hit her like this to, you know how some people like, they, unless you fall over, it's not spiritual. And he decided to make it happen. And she said, I was afraid to go up for prayer for decades. So, and we did, we prayed for healing from my mom's heart. And uh, she did, she received more of the Holy Spirit. I said, you wanna, you wanna pray now? She said, yeah. And we prayed and God, the Spirit of the Lord fell on her. So I wanna ask you a question. I wanna ask you to be real honest. How, how many of you have been traumatized by somebody that said they were doing something in the name of the Holy Spirit? Maybe somebody came and prophesied over you and said, nope, you got the wrong spouse. Uh, God wants you to marry somebody else. If you didn't get my email this week, have you noticed how many people are speaking in God's name? From the Pope to Glenn Beck, read my email that I sent out to, uh, what was the other example that I gave? A group of black pastors that prophesied over Hillary Clinton that she would be president and that God's favor was upon her until the end of time. And I'm thinking, who gave you the authorization to say that? These are people that are speaking in the name of the Holy Spirit. So I want to, this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask forgiveness even for things that have happened in this church in ways that may, we might have grieved the Holy Spirit. And I want to welcome the Holy Spirit again today. Can we stand while we do this? And I just, just pray along with me if you want to pray out loud. I feel like this is so important in what we're doing here. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you so much. Jesus, I think of what you said to your disciples in John 14. You said, it's better for them that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. How you work together, Father, Son, and Spirit, in this mutual honor, the Father honoring the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Son saying, I need to step out of the way. I want to make room for the Holy Spirit to operate in the church. There's this amazing dance. There's this amazing interrelationship of honor. And you tell us to be like you. So, Father, today we want to, before we even get into the Word, we want to, first of all, ask forgiveness for things that have been done in this church in the name of the, the Lord and the name of the Holy Spirit that have grieved you. 
Forgive us, Lord. Words that have been spoken that were wrong or off, maybe immature people. Um, things I remember some people when we started the church that were trying to stop different manifestations of the Spirit because they didn't want to alienate people from Hudson. I say to the people of Hudson, move over and let the Holy Spirit move in. We do not want to do anything that would limit what you, what you want to do, Lord. We are not the Lord of the church. We are to follow you and obey you. Forgive us, Lord, for any ways that we have prevented or grieved your spirit. Or, Lord, I, I sense that there are a number of people here, and if this is you, identify with me as I pray this. We have been afraid of your Holy Spirit, so we've locked him out. We've tried to control. And, Lord, usually control is, its most of the time, control is not a good thing. It's not something given to us. So, Lord, today, we just want to welcome you again in this place. And we welcome the, your ministry, Holy Spirit, in this place today. Come, let the gifts that you have for the church be disseminated freely in our midst. We ask for the fruit that you bring, that you bear in our lives, to be freely born in us and through us, Lord, so the people would know we belong to you. We just invite you to come. In Jesus' name. Can we just give uh, the Lord and give the Holy Spirit a round of applause? Go ahead and be seated. That's the way I felt we were supposed to begin today. We can go home now. <laughs> so in Acts chapter 1, the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And by, by the way, do you see the partner between Jesus and the Holy Spirit? He gave instructions to his disciples in partnership with, by the Holy Spirit. We miss those things. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. What's the gift? He tells us in John 5. He says, for John, meaning John the Baptist, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? We need this gift. Verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set, by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power. Now, last week, we talked about three things that the disciples did over the next 10 days before the Holy Spirit showed up. Do you remember what they are? What were they? Number one, they walked in unity. They were in one accord. The second thing is they joined constantly together in prayer. And by the way, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, I don't think that means going around with formal prayer. I think it means walking through your entire day, having this ongoing conversation with God. You may be sitting at a traffic light and you're talking to the Lord. 
You may be walking through the mall. You may be at your work and you're talking to the Lord. You may say, Lord, I'm stuck here with this problem. I need your help. You help Daniel on the job, you can help me on the job. Is it true? God wants to make an impact. He wants you to be part of his, that's why he gave us his Holy Spirit to be with us. I've shared this story so many times, but it's one of the best illustrations. I had a Sunday school teacher in sixth grade that said, now I want you guys to pretend wherever you go that God was right there with you. Years later, the theological realization of what God had done in me by putting his Holy Spirit within me is that I didn't have to pretend. Wherever I was, God is right there with me. If I go to the mall, he's with me at the mall. If I go out to eat, he's with me to go out to eat. If I'm with my friends, the Holy Spirit is right there with me. If this doesn't change the way that you see your life and the way that you live, it should. The whole foundation of false religion is the idea that we think that God can't see us. That's pretending. (laughs) Is there a closet that can keep God out? Is there some kind of lead shield? You know, is there kryptonite? I mean, what does this whole thing that keeps God from seeing us? He sees you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And it's funny because sometimes the enemy of our souls, because we know there was an angelic insurrection against God, Satan is a created being. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He picks up clues from watching the way that you live. But God knows everything. Santa Claus is a fake. I'm sorry. It says he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake and all that stuff. All right. It's God that knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good. For goodness sake, (laughs) if you try to find that in the Bible, you're going to get hurt. Don't do that, okay? (laughs) But we say these things sometimes, and we don't realize God knows all these things. And even when you're bad, God loves you. He doesn't say, oh, you know, I'm out of here. And and it's it's funny how we have this uh, impression how God is, is part of certain parts of our lives, and he's not part of others. He's part of every dimension of your life. If you haven't read the little booklet we pass out, My Heart, Christ's Home, it talks about that. We want Jesus to stay in our living room and be our guest. He wants to move in and live in every part of the house. We get a little uncomfortable when he goes to the attic and says, it's time to clean this stuff out, like Dinah was talking about, reconstruction. And the Lord says, hey, you know, you've got some bad wiring in here. We need to fix this. The way that you've been thinking is off. And the Lord moves into our life. He's in control, not us. That's not in my notes, so I guess that's a bonus this morning. That's good. What happened on the day of Pentecost? This was also called the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Weeks in the Jewish scriptures. Uh, in the Jewish faith, it's celebrate the Shavuot. It means celebrating the wheat harvest and the giving of the law at Sinai. It's 50 days after Passover. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, by the way, uh, our Passover meal uh, will be on Good Friday which is the same day as Good Friday. It's different every year, so it's different from Passover this year, and uh, it's going to be catered uh, by um, Ivan's Deli, Ivan's Diner, actually, on the west side of Akron, and uh, they do a really good job. Uh, The cost is $15. It's March 25th, and that's going to be Good Friday, so that's Passover coming up. There's not a special price for kids. This is uh, probably good for older kids, Uh, younger ones might not get all of it, but uh, this is going to be an authentic Passover with really good food. The menu's out there, so there's the commercial message. But 50 days after Passover is the Feast of Pentecost. It's the beginning of the harvest. 
Now, everything in the Old Testament has a fulfillment in the New Testament. Everything in the Jewish scriptures is fulfilled in the New Covenant in the New Testament. So was God concerned about the giving of the law, the beginning of the nation of Israel, and concerned about the wheat harvest? He was, but it was pointing to a time when God would bring forth a harvest of all nations. Let me tell you what Pentecost was about. It was about the beginning of the church, the harvest of people from every tribe and language and people and nation. It wasn't by mistake that there were people that were gathered in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would go from probably about 100,000 people at the most. Some people, some Bible scholars say to over 1 million people during Pentecost. Many of them would come for Passover and stay the entire time. They would stay in the region because to worship as a Jew meant that you needed to be close to the temple for the sacrifices and all those things. So they would travel a long way. Some of them would come from Iran, from Africa, from all parts of the world to worship. So on the day of Pentecost, there were people from all these different nations. I think if you read the list in Acts chapter two that we're going to read in a moment. There were people from over 20 countries that were there when God's spirit showed up and filled the church that day. That was by God's design because the Lord is the author of diversity of every nation. And what the Lord was saying, I'm going to take people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language group, and I'm going to make one people that belong to me. And they're going to go out and be a blessing to the entire earth. But remember what I said, before you get deployed from, for the Lord, you need to have the power and the love and the authority of the Holy Spirit with you. That's why Jesus says, now, I've already told you to go into all the world, but don't you leave Jerusalem until you get your equipment built. So you can't do the work that I want you to do until you have all the tools, all the gifts that I want you to have. Think about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did, and by the way, Jesus operated in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit except speaking in tongues that we know of. He got words of knowledge, words of wisdom. He prophesied. We see these gifts all the way through the Bible. The Lord is saying, I want you to walk in the same authority and anointing that Jesus had. And to do that, you need to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit for this to happen. I don't know about you, but this is exciting. Some people say, well, this is scary. If you want a really predictable faith that you can control, you're in the wrong church. If you want to live in the midst of a miracle on the edge of chaos and see God do amazing things right before your eyes in a world that's falling apart, you come to the right place. I want to be part of this. And much of the church today has lost connection with the Holy Spirit. I pray that God would restore the church. Because what happens is the church stops looking like what Jesus did. We stop using Isaiah 61 and Luke 4 as our mission statement, and we start doing things like, well, we're all about education. Education's part of it. But what about transformation? See, we can educate people without the Holy Spirit, but you can't transform a life without the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he wants us to do. That means when you're in the parking lot at Krieger's and you run into somebody that's sick and you say, hey, I believe that God heals. Can I pray for you right now? All of a sudden, you've entered into the Holy Spirit zone. You're in a partnership. You've brought God into that moment, and wonderful, amazing things can happen. Can I tell you throughout my life, I've only had two or three people reject uh, prayer from, from me, say they want to pray for me. One was a wizard. <laughs> at Kent State. And uh, when I mentioned the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, he started screaming and he ran out of the student center at Kent State. That's rare, okay? So don't expect that to happen. 
and he was challenging a bunch of Christians and intimidating them. And I, and I said, he said, well, my spirit in me is more powerful than your spirit in you. And I said, well, the Holy Spirit created the heavens and earth. How about if we just pray right now? And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, stop it. And he ran out. Okay. So I'm not helping you, am I? So in 30-some years of walking with the Lord, I say, can I pray for you? And most people go, you would pray for me? I've had people say, I've been in a church for 40 years, and nobody's ever offered to pray for me. And I'm thinking, what is happening in your church? What do you mean nobody prays for you? Well, if I pray, something may not happen. Well, if you don't pray, well, you can be sure nothing's going to happen, okay? You've got to pray. You've got to be obedient to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in us. Acts 2, 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. We don't know if they were still in that same room they were in where they celebrated Passover. They may have been. It may have been a different place. Some people say it could have been the temple courts where people were allowed to meet on the side of the temple outside of the outer court. It said, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of you the other night were laying in bed thinking, is the house going to blow away? That's what he's talking about. They heard a sound. It wasn't that wind, but they, it was a sound like that where you thought, there's something powerful going on here. You know, I was thinking, I wonder if I need to Velcro the dog to the floor so she doesn't blow away the other night. So the, the, there's something bigger than them. They hear this blowing of a violent wind. In verse 3, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Why is that significant? In the mind of a Jewish believer or a Jewish worshiper, when they thought about fire, they thought about the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the desert. They thought about the Shekinah glory fire that would come down when Israel was obeying God and the fire of God would come down on the sacrifices and consume the sacrifices. And they, they had in their mind this idea that that same Holy Spirit that led Moses and the children of Israel through the desert, that same spirit that was there throughout the Old Testament in different ways and times was now coming upon every believer. It wasn't just a select group of small, small group of prophets that were going to be empowered by God, but the power that God God wanted was going to be available to every believer. It wasn't just RE3. It's everybody that God wants to use. There wasn't one person that was left out of this. And the exciting thing, when Peter explains what happens in Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 40 through 46, he tells people, verse 38, I think it is actually, he says, repent of your sin, believe in the Lord, be baptized, and you're going to receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for every generation. It never stopped. There's a whole group of people that said, well, this stopped somewhere between 90 and 102 AD when God began to change the church in a different dispensation. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. God started something, and he wants it to continue to go on, and he wants us to be part of it. And we will never be who God wants us to be until we get this. That fire of God is lit in everybody that comes to the Lord. That, that fire is, and we say, well, I don't see it. Sometimes people do see it. I have this feeling, this, this thought that maybe God doesn't allow us to see it because we would start comparing flame sizes on people's heads or whatever. I don't know. There have been examples all throughout history where people have seen that fire in the midst of revivals and things that have happened. Alistair Petrie was telling us about some of the revivals and 
I think it was the Hebrides Islands, where all of a sudden the fire of God came down and they saw fire over the church building, over the people. People that were outside of the village saw the church. They thought the church was on fire. I mean, there, there have been testimonies like that. So you may not see the fire, but it's there. At least I hope it's there. And if anybody needs their fire lit, you've come to the right place too. We're going to pray for that to happen. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right, Pastor Joe, we knew you were going to get to that, and that's why I don't want to talk about this. Why did they speak in other tongues? Yeah, everybody heard a testimony of the goodness of God in their own language that day. Okay? These were actual languages. It wasn't gibberish. People that say speaking in tongues is gibberish, it's not true. I can tell you story after story of actual, I was, I was in, uh, down in Santiago, Chile, and some of you have heard this story, when we were inviting an Argentine pastor to come to the United States. He, he couldn't come, he couldn't talk to us. Later that night, he was at a meeting in Belgrano, a city outside of Buenos Aires, and he was praying for other pastors and leaders, and one man started speaking to him in English. He understood English, and he said, Claudio, Two men from the United States are coming to invite you to a conference in Alabama in the United States. You need to go. You need to rearrange your schedule and bring the fire of God from Argentina to Alabama and to the United States. And the guy fell over. So Claudio asked his secretary, Sergio, that we had talked to. He said, hey, Sergio, we prayed for that guy. He was talking to me in English. Sergio says, no hablo inglés. I don't speak English. So they went back to the guy and they said, hey, what were you telling me? And Claudio asked him in English. The guy said, no, hablo inglés. I don't speak English. He said, well, a moment ago, you gave me this whole thing in instructions. He said, I was just speaking in tongues while you were praying for me. We got a call from Sergio. He said, Claudio was supposed to be in Eastern Europe. He has, by the Holy Spirit's instruction, determined that he needs to be in Alabama in April, and he gave the date. I'll be there. I've experienced this. And I've seen it happen. I can give you a story after story, and some of them are really funny. Like the Italian lady in my parents' church that had come from Italy, and there was a message in tongues in Italian. She was frustrated. She couldn't understand the English. It was in her dialect from Calabria, and it was a plea for her to come to Christ. And she fell to her knees. Okay? Now, God doesn't always mean for there to be a translation. Sometimes he gives us that ability to pray in another language so that there can be a release in the Spirit about things that are God's priority for us to pray and worship and praise. There was a lot of spiritual warfare in my life in the last two days, especially on Friday. And there was one point where I felt like the Lord said, just get alone with me and pray in the Holy Spirit. And for about an hour, I prayed in tongues. I can't tell you what I said. All I know is there was a release in my spirit. If you think that's crazy, I've got to tell you, I think you're crazy for not opening your heart to the Holy Spirit. If he's giving you a gift, and I want to tell you, folks, if the Holy Spirit is going to pray through me, if there's a partnership where he says, yield your voice to me, and I'm going to pray the priorities of the Father on your behalf, would you avail yourself of that? You say, but this is scary. I never did this before. And what happens? Does God take over and make you? No, he gives you the words. It says they spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So the Lord gives us utterance, and sometimes speaking those first words feel kind of awkward. First time this happened to me was 1969. Pastor Joe, you're really old. 
It's my first youth camp. And we had a youth evangelist, and he said, I, what I want you to do is he said all, all, to all the kids, he said, I want you to just start thanking God for everything he's done in your life. And I had never praised God out loud before, I, I, you know, like that. I'd sung songs in church, but to speak out loud and not care what anybody thought. And I started speaking out loud just these things. All of us were. And the next thing I knew, it was three and a half hours later, I was getting up off the floor and I was speaking a new language. My cousin was sitting there looking at me, and she was speaking a new language, and we were just filled with the joy of the Lord. Everybody had gone out on a hayride and left us in the prayer room hours before. So they're caught up in the heavenlies. And I got up off the floor, and I looked at my cousin, and I said, I'm called to be a pastor. At age 12, I just knew it. I went home, and I told my mom, something happened to me. I know God's called me to be a pastor. My grandmother, who barely spoke English, my mom's mother, Italian grandmother, was dying. It was about a year and a half later. Uh, one of her last words, she looked at me and she said, she said, Joseph Micah, that's what she called me, Joseph Michael. Joseph Micah, you're supposed to be a pastor. But the Holy Spirit told me that two years before. And I rebelled for five years. Man, I, I should have been swallowed by a fish. I was just like Jonah. I didn't get close enough to the ocean, so, but God never let go of me. And when I came back to Christ, and as a student at Kent State, I was in the study lounge one night, and the Lord said, before you study, just praise me. And I started praising him, and I just got so filled with the joy of the Lord, I started talking out loud, I didn't realize it. And the next thing I knew, I was speaking in another language. And the, all the guys left the study lounge. Rumors got around the next day that... Joe and my roommate Joe had gotten off into the cosmos. The Holy Joes were. And we had a Bible study. The next Bible study that we had was four times as big as it had ever been. Our room was jammed with people because they wanted to come and make fun of us. And the presence of God showed up that night, and the conviction of the Lord fell on all these people. And I want to say something to you. When the Holy Spirit does something authentic, it draws people. It doesn't push people away. On this day of Pentecost, we don't know how the people ended up in the streets or how they knew, but there was a crowd that gathered to see what was going on. They wanted to hear what was going on. They heard people praising God in languages, and they knew that they were Galileans, that they had never learned these languages before. When something is authentic from the Lord, it doesn't push people away. It draws them to him. And I've asked people that aren't even believers when I'm praying, and I feel like the Lord says, pray for them in this prayer language. I'll say, it's okay if I pray in tongues. People go, please. I've never heard that. It just happened to me about a week and a half ago. I was praying with a lady, and I said, I just feel like I don't know how to pray, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to and we And she just began to cry, and the Spirit just moved on her. You could tell that. I'm sharing this because I feel like the Lord is saying, for some of you, you've been kind of like this with the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, "Don't please don't keep me out of your life. Let me in. I'm not going to embarrass you. Now, I will tell you this, you're going to be ruined for the ordinary. I'm going to borrow Dave Buring's words here right now. Do you want to be ordinary? Or do you want to live a supernatural life in the midst of a world that so desperately needs? And I'll tell you, I think the world is tired of dead religion. They want people that really have the power and the love of God. They want people to walk in that. People are getting involved in witchcraft, and they're getting involved in supernatural things and Eastern things because the church has not done their job and opened the door to the power and the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
So what has happened is there's a hunger in people's hearts. They want, to, they want the supernatural, and they're going for it the wrong way. I think part of the responsibility is the church that has grieved God and has not allowed the Holy Spirit to move through us the way that he wants to. So how many of you would say, I want more of the Holy Spirit? I want to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you have for me, I want what you have. And I want to say this too, God's power and his purpose go hand in hand. What does it say? It says, I, he says, don't leave Jerusalem. He says, you will be filled with power. Power for what? To be witnesses. Not to do witnessing, to be witnesses. So in other words, it's not just power to speak, it's power to live too. Okay? Let me tell you why some people in the church are turned off to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The church has separated power and experience and the purpose of God. So what happened in the 1990s were a lot of people that wanted the latest Holy Spirit fix, and they used those words. They talked about the Holy Spirit like he was a drug. You can still find the things, and don't do this online, but you can find people talk about toking the Holy Ghost like they were smoking marijuana. And they would go to meetings, and I'll tell you that, you want to dishonor God, start talking about God like he's a drug. Okay, People were not good stewards of what was happening and this grieve the Spirit of God. And people would go to meetings because they wanted to experience God's power, but they had no intention of connecting to God's purpose. Now, I'll tell you, I've experienced the power of God in many ways. I've been overwhelmed. I've fallen over. I've been caught up into the heavenlies. But at the end of the day, God has always done more in me to be more effective in reaching out to the broken world around me because that's what he wants to do. It goes back to Luke 4 and Isaiah 61, binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captives free. If it's not about God giving you more power to be a witness, then somehow we've disconnected the power and purpose. Does that make sense? So the church can't get derailed in this season. This is all about, that's why I'm reading books by guys like Leif Hetland, who talks about the power and the anointing and the love of the Holy Spirit but he's led over one million Muslims to Christ. Obviously, he's getting more of the Holy Spirit to be more of a powerful witness to do. And he says, I can't love anybody. I have no authority to love. I can't love. God's the one that loves through me. He's discovered that. We know that in our minds, but God wants us to press into that. How many of you would say, I want more of the Holy Spirit? I want to, to receive that. Can we just, uh, let's stand together. And I want to ask you to be bold and just come up to the front. I don't know what God's going to do, but I felt like the Lord said, just show willingness to be obedient and just, just come. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, just come up. If you want to kneel down, if you want to raise your hands, whatever you want to do, but let's just focus on the Lord right now. We don't focus on gifts. We focus on the Lord, and we're just going to ask the Lord to baptize us anew in his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, these words from 2,000 years ago for your church, some of us have left to do your work and we forgot to be filled with your spirit. Forgive us. But we're here today, Lord, and we say we want more. We want to open our hearts to you. We want all that you want to do in us and through us. We ask you, Lord, just to come and fill us now by your Holy Spirit. Can you just say that with me? Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with more of your Holy Spirit. 
Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord. Come, Spirit of God. Fill us up, O God. Give us more of you, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we just ask you to come. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's an old song that we used to sing. Some of you might know it, and it's real simple, but it's Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Hallelujah. Lord, I believe you want to impart that uh, ability to speak in a new language. For some, Lord, uh, you've been, uh, they, you've even brought them the words they've been afraid to speak out. I just pray that you would remove the fear barrier right now. And Lord, that you would just impart that in the name of Jesus. Lord, just let there just be a freedom of your spirit to work. Let your spirit just come and fill us, God. Let there be a release of your spirit, God, in our midst, in our heart, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to understand that the languages that God gave were a reverse of the curse of Babel. At Babel, the people were united for one evil work, and God confused their language. At Pentecost, God is bringing people from every nation and tribe together to proclaim his praises as one people. We're still distinct ethnic groups, but there's one people in Christ. And that's part of the blessing of what he was doing. So, Lord, just release those languages in us and through us. Release the freedom of your spirit for us, Lord, to pray, to proclaim your word, for your spirit to work in our midst, God. Just come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Father, I believe that you're imparting uh, gifts of healings, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, different gifts that you want to bring people in. We just rebuke a spirit of fear that has kept people, Father, from moving into the things that you want to do in our midst. Let there just be a freedom and a joy in us, God, in walking with you. Hallelujah. Transform us, God. Fill us. Empower us, Lord, that the world would see that we would be able to bring your fire, your blessing, your anointing, Father, to people all around. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Hallelujah. 
Can we just agree in prayer and uh, just agree with me as I pray these words? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that our lives could touch the lives of people around us like we've never seen before. We ask you for an increase of power and authority in each individual life, in all of us as a church. We're going to talk more about this in the next couple weeks, but Lord, I pray that you would do everything that you want to do in us. And I pray, Lord, in our prayer times uh, throughout the week, that you would bring us deeper than we've ever been before. Bring us to that place of fullness and your presence and your power. And we say, Lord, there's nothing like being in your presence. You've created us to be with you. From the beginning of time, that's been your desire. You love us so much. So, Lord, let these words just have deep impact in our hearts, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. I feel like the the Lord might be giving someone a uh, word right now. Just be sensitive. Maybe one of our prophetic voices, Janice. I just want to pray for us. Uh, Lord, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it breaks them down, saying that if you speak in tongues but you don't have love, you're just noise. And yet, Lord, you gave us the gifts to be powerful. Lord, I just want to reach out and ask you, Father, in a baptism of the Holy Spirit of the gifts, Lord, that you would make us fruit bearers. So that, Lord, the gifts would be so powerful, Lord, that in great love, Lord, that in great love we would be prophetic, that in great love, Lord, we would use our prayer language, Lord, that in great love we would use discernment, that in great love miracles would happen, that in great love we would take care of the poor, but, Lord, that we would see the fruit and the gifts together, and, Lord, when they come together, oh, my What happens then? It's an amazing thing, Lord, and it seems so hard for all of us, Lord. We're so weak and flawed. Lord, baptize us, Lord, with both. Father, the fruit and the love together and the power of the word of God. Lord, we want to make a difference. We don't want to be anemic Christians. So, Father, I pray that you'd give us each, Lord, a heart of love and passion and desire. Father, to be a whole serve you wholly in every way, Lord, and in every part of what you talk about with the gifts, with the fruit, and with that power of love, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This one may be a little bit strange, so I ask you to go to the Lord to see if it is from him or not. But as I was praying in tongues, I sensed um, an evil goddess attempting to come into the congregation, Mm -hmm. and the name Kali came to me, and she is the dark god in um, Hindu worship. And uh, I I felt like I was in a warrior spirit commanding her to leave. This is not her dominion. She is a false god. Jesus is the true god. Leave in the name of Jesus. So... Yeah, this, um, there was a, a battle the last couple days, and I felt like the enemy was trying to resist. And we just take authority right now in Jesus' name against any false spirit. Um, Lord, we know that when the disciples started walking in your Holy Spirit, that there, was, uh, there were people that would speak out but were not of you. I'm thinking of Simon the sorcerer that Peter encountered. Lord, we just take authority over anything false in this body. And anything that would seek to undermine or deceive or to bring people off track, in Jesus' name, 
We just pray for your spirit to move freely. Thank you. I just feel like um, for, I guess, the younger generation, high school, college age group that's here, that uh, a lot of your parents, a lot of my generation and a lot of our parents have seen this move of the Holy Spirit and have seen the gifts outpouring in the congregation setting and have seen healing and speaking in tongues and these things in a powerful way. And I feel like uh, a lot of you guys in this younger generation are trying to find that cool and socially acceptable way to be a Christian. And God wants to pour out his spirit on you guys. He wants, he wants to set you on fire. And he wants to see you guys moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and changing your generation. And so I just pray for that. Mark, that's right on. Yeah, you can't, the, the desire to be accepted by friends, to be accepted by this world uh, will, is deadly. It undermines a desire to please God. So Lord, we want to please you. We choose you. That's right. We want to honor you. We want to honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, one more word, and then we're going to... I really felt yesterday when I was praying about our upcoming Rampart session, the Holy Spirit really fell on me strongly. And the word was to not be afraid of repentance. Mm -hmm. Don't fear it, but engage it. Repentance leads to deliverance. So please, I encourage you, fully embrace whatever the Lord has on your heart Mm -hmm. to repent. And Lord, I ask that you anoint us, Lord, to do and fulfill your call upon our lives completely, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's right. Thank you, Derek. This is good. And uh, Chris had a word, too, and we're going to talk more about this in weeks to come, I told him, but... He said he felt the Lord reminding people, the Holy Spirit is gentle. You don't have to fear him. And even when we minister to others, we don't have to be, we need to be gentle. I told you the story about my mother, which is very personal, but a lot of people have had experiences like that. We need to be gentle in how we minister the Spirit of God. Some of you may want to just stay here and pray. I feel like a release to let people go that need to go. Um, So let me just pray a prayer of blessing. Father, what you are doing in us, I just pray that you would continue to do in us. We give you full and free permission to work in our lives and do in us all that you want to do. Lord, for some that may stay, I pray that you would continue to speak to them and give them wisdom and give them insight. Lord, I'm reminded we're doing the fast from technology this week. And Lord, help us, some of us, to put aside our phone for an hour and just to be with you and, and write things down and to read your word. I feel like you want to engage many of us, and we just haven't taken time to listen. So Lord, let us, as we go forth from this place, let us be more aware of what you're saying and what you're doing. We just yield our hearts to you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go in the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah.